Hello and welcome to the Stockout. This is your show at Freight Waves for all things related to CPGs. Those are consumer packaged goods and their supply chains. I'm your host, Mike Bowden, just I'm the head of Intermodal Solutions here at Freight Waves and also follow the CPG uh, industry. So if you're following uh, companies with us from another show at Freight Waves, uh, that's what's different about this one. We do have about 20 others. Uh, more than anyone could possibly digest, but we try to get them uh, specialized enough that you can find an area that you're really uh, is focused on. Today, uh, we're going to talk a lot about the stock uh, volatility in the CPG space, sort of who says that CPG stocks are boring. Tyson is down about 8%. Treehouse Foods is up about 5%. Uh, so we'll talk about you know what's happening with those companies that both reported earnings this morning and, and their stocks, and also talk with the guys from the Smart Cube, a company that I'm um, interested to to have on, uh, they combine uh, AI and market expertise, uh, sort of in a manner that seems at least somewhat similar to what we do here at, at, at FreightWave. So we're going to be talking to them about what they do for the CPG industry and what's happening in the CPG space. Uh, so we'll do that today. Um, but first, uh, ad from uh, RJW Group, uh, which is sponsoring this po- podcast, should show, they should say, uh, RJW owns and operates every step of the middle mile. As an asset-based integrated logistics company, they offer a full suite of retail supply chain solutions under one roof, including industry-leading retail consolidation that consistently delivers over 98% on time and in full month after after month to many retailers. RJW's programs offer suppliers control and transparency, helping them improve in-stocks, achieve retailer compliance, grow market share, and increase sales. Visit rjw.com to optimize your supply chain today. So big thanks to RJW Group. And before I introduce the guys from the Smart Cube, I'll talk a little bit about um, what's happening in the world of CPG uh, news today. Uh, Tyson Foods, have a stock chart there on, on, on Tyson uh, Foods, which has been a volatile one. Um, shares are down about 8% today. Uh, and we, basically, uh, this has been one that's been really interesting to watch sort of throughout the pandemic. You see there at the, at the left part of that chart, Shares absolutely fell off a cliff at the beginning of the of the pandemic. They they had a hard time you know, keeping products on shelves. There were you know, people in their uh, facilities too close together. You know during the during the height of the pandemic and really um, almost got cut. Shares almost got cut in half and they almost doubled. You know back to you know, where they were and higher. Company was really able to take prices up uh, sort of throughout the past couple of years. A lot of times they were increasing their prices for meat 20, 30, 40 percent. Um, really based on market conditions, and they were had such strong profits that drew the ire of the Biden administration, which seemed to be convinced that the meat processors were in collusion. Um, you know, nothing else could explain the fact that uh, price uh, meat prices for meat were soaring so much, and, and profits were um, you know increasing so much. Well, this may be um, is counter to the administration's argument, which is what happened today. Uh, so um, basically, volume for Tyson's meat dropped. In their second quarter, or I guess most recent quarter, uh, 1.9%. That's with prices that, that are still rising, increased 1.8%. Companies sold less beef, down 1.5%, less pork, down 2%. And um, the mix of uh, cuts went to lower end, uh, you know, cuts of meat. So this is really kind of the first indication that there's really a lot of price sensitivity in the category of meat. And we were starting to see more elasticities in more uh, consumer packaged goods that a lot of the companies that are increasing prices, eight, nine, 10% or more, some of the CPGs are now, now saying maybe 15% higher, uh, sort of something a little, a little closer to what the meat industry had been doing the last couple of years. 
they're starting to see more uh, demand uh, destruction. Uh, Tyson's operating margin declined 80 basis points from 8.5% a year ago to 7.7%. So, you know, kind of flat profits, um, you know, despite the fact that uh, sales were rising about 8%, uh, you know, higher cost pressures for wages, animal feed and transportation costs, which, you know, we've talked a lot on freight waves about falling spot rates. Big company like that is still participating in, in, the, in the contract market, doesn't do a lot of spot activity. Those rates are still um, higher year over year. So uh, transportation costs are still a headwind for um, you know, big companies like Tyson. Uh, the next uh, company I'll talk about is Treehouse Foods. Treehouse kind of going the other way today, up 5%. And you see their uh, stock, which has actually been quite volatile the last uh, you know, couple, couple of years, sort of, th- sort of throughout the pandemic. Uh, really, uh, Treehouse Foods is a company that makes food that is for private labels. So think of companies like Trader Joe's or, or Aldi that have a lot of their uh, food as the store brands. They're, they're the manufacturer for a lot of that food. And during the pandemic, there was a big shift from private label to the national brands. Uh, it seemed to give consumers a little bit more comfort to have those nationwide brands. It also seemed like the consumers had more discretionary income to spend. That sort of turned the other way here with uh, consumers more interested in you know, saving money. And the, the sort of the um, savings rate is now dipped below pre-pandemic levels. So private label seems to be doing really well. In the second quarter, uh, private label brands had 15% sales growth on, on 2% volume growth. So it sort of implies 13% pricing in the second quarter. So quite a lot. Uh, now the national brands in comparison had 9% sales growth on a 5% volume decline. So interesting that second quarter, 2% growth in volume for private label, national brands a 5% volume decline. So you're sort of seeing maybe demand destruction overall in, in, in CPG. But also some of that shift from the national brands to the private label brands. Treehouse Food also has a good um, you know, graphic on the gap in pricing on average between the national brands and the private label, which is currently tracking about 31 to 32 percent. And what's typical is something in the range of 26 percent to 30 percent. So they're making the argument that even though you, that most recent quarter, private label uh, brands increased. Uh, in price about thirteen percent. There's still room to rise uh, when you compare that to the national, uh, you know, brands at least on a percent uh, basis. So, you know, so sales are good at, at a company like Treehouse. Still seeing margin pressure. Um, they're actually their adjusted EBITDA margin went from nine point two percent in the year ago period to five point six percent. Company says that's in line with expectations, but still a lot of margin pressure there, which I think has been really true throughout the CPG industry. They really haven't gotten back to the pre-pandemic levels for most CPG you know, companies, um, maybe with the exception of meat, which has, has really had strong margins. Um, today's Tyson results notwithstanding. Uh, um, so that's just as a little bit of an update. I'll do one quick um, additional uh, ad by RJW Group. Um, so R- RJW Logistics, if we can get their logo back on the screen. Are you assessing the advantages of prepaid versus collect freight management for delivery into retail? RJW's retail consolidation program consistently achieves over 98% on time and in full to ensure a stronger shelf presence, increased in stocks, retailer compliance, and overall retail supply chain improvement. Visit rjwgroup.com and speak with a retail logistics expert about the advantages of RJW's program and to make the best decisions for your business. So thanks again to RJW Logistics Group. 
And with that, we'd like to bring on today's guests from the Smart Cube, if we could do that. So from the Smart Cube, uh, thanks for joining me, gentlemen. We have Nitin uh, Agarawal. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, that name. Uh, most people that's, mispronounce that's, my name. That's so. good, Mike. <laughs> okay. And, and she's Kumar. So, so Nitin is the VP of business, VP and business head of analytics and data science at the Smart Cube. And she's Kumar as a senior analyst at the Smart Cube. So a lot of, uh, you know, uh, brain power here that's going to talk about data. And this, the Smart Cube sort of, um, you know, interested uh, to hear, sort of you just described the, the, the company. You sort of described it on the website as kind of bringing, you know, AI combined with, you know, market intelligence from people who have really, um, you know, live that business out in the field. But I want to hear from, from you just kind of about your description in your own words. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so the Smart Cube is a global analytics company. Uh, I can simply describe it as uh, uh, we help companies, especially CPG firms and retailers, uh, reduce costs or increase revenues using data. Uh, and we do that by combining the best of AI, artificial intelligence, uh, and HI, which is human intelligence, uh, to answer some of the most critical and pressing business questions that executives face in these companies. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's really right now, some of these companies are trying to reduce costs. They don't want to just fully, they have so many cost pressures all sort of across the board. It's hard to fully pass those on with price increases. I think consumers are maybe starting to revolt a little bit. Uh, can you walk us through maybe an example of a way you've helped a CPG company improve their um, you know, cost efficiency? Um, sure. So so the Smart Cube, Mike, we look at uh, efficiency through two different lenses. Uh, one is from the demand side and the other is from the supply side. Uh, I'll actually talk about it from a demand side and my colleague Ashish uh, uh, we'll we'll cover it from the cost side uh, or the supply side. Uh, so from the demand side, there are multiple ways in which we help CPG companies improve uh, their efficiencies. It could include better demand forecasting, uh, improving efficiencies of pricing and promotion changes, uh, optimizing the assortment, and then also moving consumers, you know, reaching out directly to them and moving them to digital channels either through your own brand uh, websites or partnering with you know marketplaces or other national retailers. Um, so those are the four broad areas through which you know, or levers that companies have from a demand perspective to help improve efficiency. And I'll, I'll talk about one example, which is uh, demand forecasting. Um, so one of the largest fresh food producers in the world was grappling with um, significant uh, volatility in demand um, due to COVID. Uh, it was the problem was further accentuated given the fact that it was fresh produce, so smaller, sh- you know, shorter shelf life. Um, and also, they also saw a big change in uh, channel throughput. So, as restrictions were put in or stores were closed, uh, people uh, or consumers actually shifted to you know buying on digital channels or e-commerce, uh, and and which was again something that they hadn't planned for. Now, historically, uh, a company would use historical data, or typically, a company would use historical data to predict you know what demand is expected in the future. However, an event like COVID hasn't really happened. Um, so the historical data is of limited value. Uh, so what we did was we uh, we brought in a lot of external data, which is not just macroeconomic indicators, but uh, like weather and GDP growth and, and, and what have you, um, uh, but but also things around, you know, mobility index. So how is COVID progressing? What are the store closures looking like? And how does it vary f- across regions? Um that uh, uh, then coupled with uh, uh, intel from uh, the, the market. So uh, uh, 
trying to understand you know what the account managers were actually seeing from um, uh, talking to their customers uh, was was also very interesting and then more importantly uh, we also factored in data which is available through syndicated data providers uh, which tells what are the consumers purchase intentions so are there categories which consumers expect to spend more or less on uh, across what time horizon and then building all of that in into the mod, you know forecasting models helped develop very granular and accurate uh, demand forecasts uh, which then allowed uh, you know the CPG company to be able to simulate different scenarios uh, and and be able to be nimble in responding to, to changing uh, uh, demand and and sensing you know what is going to happen in the future so uh, and and that basically become became pivotal and centerpiece to their entire SNOP process as well as their financial and you know and budgeting process so and that's just one way in which uh, uh, we helped we've helped CPG companies improve their efficiencies again from a demand perspective and maybe ashish can cover it from a, from the cost side or from the supply side oh absolutely um, thanks mike for having us here so Talking about uh, the smart queue from the, let's say, the supply side uh, or procurement side of things, we support organizations in three primary solution areas. One is category intelligence or market intelligence, which is understanding. And the reason I'm telling you all of this is because all of this is catering towards getting better efficiency. So it's about understanding better categories uh, and understanding your categories better from the supply perspective, from understanding what's new, what are the disruptive trends, what's, what are the new sourcing regions, and who are the new suppliers that are emerging in this space and how should I manage them? The second is about uh, commodity intelligence. So and specifically for CPG, be it direct categories or indirect categories, a lot of them are underlying commodities uh, ultimately uh, from the raw material perspective. So understanding what is happening on those commodity markets and more importantly predicting what's going to happen in those commodity markets and third from the efficiency perspective is understanding from the supplier risk perspective as well so again a lot of proactive monitoring on what's going to happen to those suppliers in uh, months to come across let's say different parameters from financial stability business stability and esg perspective now, talking about one of the examples that comes to my mind is that uh, we've supported a very large confectionery slash processed food organization where they were looking to understand that they some of the key ingredients that they're buying are in short supply. And they are one of the largest consumers of those food ingredients. But ultimately, due to the changing dynamic nature of the food consumption or led by consumers, there has been uh, lack, there has been, let's say, a conflict in terms of how many other organizations are also willing to pay a higher price for those food ingredients? So they essentially wanted to know that if I am buying these ingredients from sourcing region XYZ, um, again, due to confidentiality reason, we are not disclosing that. But they wanted to know that are there more sourcing regions that are available and maybe they're not, they're not producing the food ingredients like to like, but maybe a version of that which can be then swapped out in their uh, currently pro current production manufacturing methods. That's one. Not only that, they were trying to understand that how can they source these categories better? What are the larger contracting best practices that they should adapt and or they should adopt about and so that they are securing long-term supply and they are not facing the same pressures that they are facing right now because let's say changing consumer demand and changing supply or demand side dynamics. And thirdly, they wanted to understand that how can we, how can we model the cost better so that 
we are not paying a premium because one of, we are one of the largest um, consumers of these food ingredients, then how can we understand the cost a little better so that the price that we are paying for these commodities or these underlying food ingredients are the best in class from our perspective because and uh, because they are the largest consumer, so they ideally should get best pricing on that. So the smart team supported the entire value chain of about understanding the category, understanding the underlying commodity, understanding the supply regions, understanding the alternatives, and understanding the new sources of supply so that uh, ultimately they are able to take more uh, data-driven decisions. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I can't think of another time where those things are more critical than kind of right now with just a lot of demand uncertainty as well as just cost rising across the board for all these companies. Um, so just any trying to get ahead of those trends, I think it's just it's really critical. And you also touched on something that we've seen here at, at FreightWaves is that the historical data just really was not helpful during COVID. It just really didn't tell you what was going to happen because you hadn't experienced anything like that before. So you need to, to really have sort of the most real-time data and to have people who could, um, you know, sort of have the right you know, networks in place and all those things to really figure out what was happening. Um, also wanted to, to, to ask you, I mean, in your, in your demand forecasting specifically, you know, what categories of CPG do you think are most vulnerable to elasticities right now, sort of consumers cutting back in response to these, to these higher prices? Um, do you want to ask you guys that? <clears throat> yeah. It's, it's the classic, uh, you know, staples versus discretionary. Uh, uh, that's where the answer lies. So uh, one would assume that the consumer staples are more insulated uh, and, and the, you know, the demand is slightly more inelastic, uh, which is true. However, and as you uh, pointed, Mike, at the beginning of the show, uh, we're seeing at Tyson Foods, right? So prices for milk, egg, and the meat is is rising in you know, double-digit uh, price inflation. Um, so while consumers are continuing to purchase these products, of course, uh, you know, the couple of things that we're seeing, one is consumers are perhaps cutting down on their eating out and increasing home cooking. So which means, that, you know, technically there is there should be higher demand for some of these, you know, the consumer staples. However, uh, they are expected to and continue to trade down from national brands to more value brands and private labels. Um, that's one. And then second, um, also in terms of the pack sizes. So uh, we've also seen that consumers are preferring, uh, you know, more value packs uh, where the unit economics are better for them. And also they're better for the, the CPG company. Um, so so those are really, you know, a couple of uh, uh trends or, or that we've seen in, in the on the staple side. Um, so insulated to a certain extent because price, you know, it's it's still demand is still um, inelastic, but uh, uh, some changing consumer behavior there. In, in terms of discretionary, again, it's uh, I think that's where it gets a little more uh, uh, challenging. Uh, there clearly are categories which, uh, you know, we expect uh, that consumers will either cut down their spending or you know, stop their uh, stop their buying or maybe move to some other categories or substitutes. But you know, again, categories like apparel and, and dining and home improvements and decor, uh, I think these will be uh, you know definitely more impacted. Um, uh, and 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 where and, and and hence because these categories, uh, it's it's also much more price elastic. Uh, I think 
consumers will do more deal hunting and will buy when promotions are running. So CPG companies need to be very smart around what kinds of kind of pricing and promotion changes are they running on on the discretionary uh, spend categories uh, to make sure that the margin erosion is not very high. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and, and maybe um, maybe for Ashish, you know, when you think about these companies trying to mitigate inflation and, you know, maybe layer in some hedges to um, you know, protect against the rising input costs, and how, how do they use, you know, the smart cube or AI or any of the data to, you know, decide how aggressive to be on, on hedging or, or finding alternate suppliers? Absolutely. So, Mike, actually, inflation is right front and center of every CPG company that we are talking to. And to be honest, it's not only how they are leveraging the smart cube. It's about how they are trying to leverage technology and analytics. Those are the two crucial roles because the raw material prices are what the raw material prices are. But now what they can do is that can they better predict what the raw material prices are going to be? And can they be smarter in terms of how how their contracts with their key suppliers are structured? And this is where part of that uh, amalgamation of internal and external intelligence is coming into picture. Now, talking about uh, where they are coming into the smart cube or how smart cube is supporting them is looking at looking internally first. So looking at their internal supplier uh, structure data. Well, when I say about supplier data, it is all about understanding that how their contracts are structured, which of their contracts are linked with what type of uh, indices and what is the volatility that these indices have had, right? So understanding the internal data first and understanding or getting visibility into the cost elements. So because when you look at the semi-finished good or a finished good, there are several um, ways that you can slice and dice a cost model, right? And creating and understanding that what are the what is the freight cost like we talked about? What is the labor cost? What is the raw material cost? What is the margin that my supplier will have? And specifically for these national brands, which are getting into a lot of contract manufacturing and external manufacturing, the, it's very it's very important to understand the dynamic should cost or even for some raw materials that they are buying. And thirdly, it is the most important part where the smart cube is also coming into picture is predicting and forecasting the raw material prices. So. It's about understanding that how my packaging, wheat, sugar, agri-commodities, non-agri-commodities, what is going to be the price forecast for not three months, six months, but maybe nine months, 12 months, 15 months down the line, so that I can understand that if my overall category cost is X, then based on these macroeconomic factors, and this is actually very sophisticated modeling that is conducted on these commodities, these are basically macroeconomic-based price models, to understand that if my category cost is X, then based on these factors, will I be paying X plus delta X or will I be paying X plus Y, right? And it is also about understanding the consumer demand. So like what Nitin talked about briefly right now is about discretionary versus staple. But some of the consumer demand is changing and which means that the underlying raw materials that are required for the meeting that consumer demand is changing as well. So the CPG companies are also getting smarter that can I swap out some of these raw materials instead of buying palm oil? Can I use canola oil? Can I use sunflower oil? Because these are going to be more cost effective for me from the long-term perspective. Now, this is not easy. Um, R&D teams and supply chain and procurement teams and manufacturing teams all need to work together. And 
I will also say that it is not about doing it as a one-time exercise and because right now there is just too much high inflation, then let me do this exercise and then sleep over it. Some of the larger CPG brands are becoming smarter by making it as part of their organizational procurement culture, which is not to do this now, but do this time and again. And that can be on a weekly, monthly, quarterly basis, depending on the organization's appetite and more importantly what type of commodities do they have volatility towards so i would say it's a combination of internal data external data a lot of artificial intelligence and machine learning modeling to help help combat inflationary pressures yeah that was a great answer i mean it's really kind of the the palm oil thing has been really interesting hasn't it it's it's um you know the war in ukraine just impacted so many different things and it's like you know, palm oil is not something you necessarily were focused on until this year, but, you know, learning about all the things that it goes into, it's like everything from like Oreo cookies to personal care products to ice cream, and they had to sort of scramble to uh, find, um, you know, enough uh, supplies there. Um, We're about out of time. How can folks, uh, you know, reach out to you if they have uh, more questions or or want to get in touch? I think one of the best ways is... (laughs) Go ahead, Ashley. So I think one of the best ways is through our website, uh, so we are reachable on www.thesmartcube.com. That's one. And the second is that we are always participating in different, um, let's say, conferences, uh, which are respect for respective sectors. Uh, so let them participate in a lot of these conferences, which are related to the consumer demand perspective. And I participate in the procurement and supply chain. So those are great, um, great outfits as well. Nathan, do you want to add? Yeah, no, I think that covers Ashish. Thanks. Yep. Okay, well, well, thanks very much, Nitin and Ashish. Um, if anyone needs anything from me, you can reach out at mbowdendistal at freightwaves.com or sign up for my newsletter at freightwaves.com uh, forward slash the stockout. Hope everyone has a great Monday.